All right. Welcome back, guys. We are looking at episode three after our relaunch. Yes, episode three. And we are so happy with the amount of new followers that are following our podcast and having our episodes automatically loaded in to um, everything. Yeah, exactly. Jen, hold on. Is it recording us? Because I don't see the upticks like normal. It is. I mean, I see them on my end. Oh, so then maybe my computer is just being stupid. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, no, we're good. Uh, so we are recording. It's end of the week for us here, looking down the barrel of a long weekend. Uh, so Daniel, no, I didn't say that because episode three is not for me for a while. Yeah, it doesn't matter though. People know we record ahead of time. We're not doing oh, okay. live streaming. All right, sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't want to get into the conversation and be like, we can't use this. That's why I keep like, stopping. no, totally get it. But yeah, I mean, people know that we bank episodes. It's fine. Okay. Um, so we're looking at a long weekend. Um, before I get into, of course, there's always a story. I have made a mistake um, on my end. Danielle, what are you guys, what are you and the fam planning for the long weekend? College football. It kicks off, I would say, officially this weekend. And you know where I'm going to be in front of the TV with my kid, my husband, watching all the football. Yeah. Uh, Clemson and Bama, or who, who are we following? Who's playing? Alabama plays on Saturday night, uh, as well as like an Ohio State Notre Dame game that's supposed to be kind of epic. And then um, Clemson plays Monday on actually Labor Day. So I have that and a fantasy draft. With my Clemson um, people, so we're like drafted at the same time. It just happened to work out that way. So all the Clemson people will be watching the game and drafting for fantasy football NFL teams at the same time. So I have a football-filled weekend, and we are also, for the family, going apple picking. Oh, that'll be so fun. Very fun. Actually, the start of, well, not officially. I like to go early. A lot of people like when it's like really cold. I do pumpkin picking separate. Two different days to look forward to, personally. Totally agree. Yeah. And also, I like to get my apple stuff early. I want to I want to look forward to eating all the apple stuff all of September, not the end. So that's me. I totally agree with you. I mean, being in Texas now, it you know, we have fall here for like three days. <laughs> Late November, then it's December. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so having something like that to look forward to and like set the fall mood, even if it is still 90 degrees out, is, ugh, I miss apple picking. So on my end, I am going on a girl's trip. We're going to go on a road trip to Canyon Lake, which is south of Austin. Um, I've never been there. I literally have no idea where anything is in Texas outside of Dallas. Um, But because with me, there's always a story. Um, So the whole plan is to like go hiking and and all outdoorsy. And um, not only is it going to rain the entire time we're there. Oh, no. (laughs) But... I got up early this morning and I was like, oh, I literally I woke up at like 530 in the morning. I felt like you. It was very weird. Wow. And I was like, you know what? It before seven, I was like, I'm going to go walk to Starbucks and get a coffee and go walk the dogs. And then I twisted my ankle walking on the sidewalk. That is so used. So and now you can't even hike anyway. You're going to be hobbling. So I put on a brace. So I have an old lady ankle brace and my butt is going to be hiking. I bought hiking boots. I've literally used them twice because every time I try to hike, I sprain my friggin' ankle. Um, but yeah, I also purposely bought hiking boots that are ankle height because it supports my ankle. <laughs> oh my gosh, you are so old. But it's yeah, hilarious. literally, I'm like, I, I have 
I have the ankles of like a newborn deer. It's bad. <laughs> you also sprained your ankle or didn't you break it? So, I mean, you have old injuries. So, oh, yeah. So it's actually the same ankle that I had the surgery on because I tore a bunch of ligaments off the bone because I stepped in a pothole in New York. That's another <laughs> story for a future episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, so obviously we've, you know, always fun stuff going on over here. Uh, so for this week, we are coming to you again with two questions we're going to be answering one in personal finance one in career so let's do it today's personal finance question is from the subreddit personal finance and the question is titled impulse spending how can i stop myself and how can i budget accordingly so i wasn't sure where to come forth with this stuff but i'm having a bit bit difficult of a time impulse spending. Can I put a timer on my bank account or my cards at night? Or can I just overall spend my time more wisely with money? This is their words. Okay. I'm nearing 21. I used to be saving a lot. I was emancipated at a young age and lived on my own with my own finances. When COVID hit, I did a complete 180. I got a roommate, regrettably, and started spending money whenever and wherever. It's gotten to be a problem and I effectively blew through my savings I spent years working on. I received roughly $3,600 a month after taxes. I spent more than one and a half, more than half of it on bills. I currently get paid $21 an hour and usually work 40 hours plus a week. I take a lot of overtime. Here's the thing. I like to own my own car and eventually live on my own again. I'd also like to take self-defense classes, which cost high too. I live in Washington and it's arguably getting tougher to live here. I tried looking at my budget and it doesn't look like I can attain my goals anytime soon. I was told to open another account instead of putting whatever I have in my savings when I have the extra money. What would be the best thing I can do to live on my own, get my own vehicle, and make sure I stop impulse buying? I mean, this is such a relatable question. I mean, I am going to have a ton of ton of specific questions for you on this, but what's your advice? So I think this is a great question that um, everyone at one point or another feels like they're impulse spending. I know there's times where I need to check myself where I feel like I am just running my credit card. I am going, for me personally, crazy on Amazon and just Amazoning whatever comes to my head as opposed to like what I need. So I think that this is just really pertinent for a lot of people. The really important thing here is that budgeting allows you to bring that control back into your life. So you can still buy things when you budget, but you actually know that you have a control over your life now and in the future. You can save for that car. You can save for that apartment if you budget. As a reminder, I know we've touched upon this in earlier episodes as well. There's a number of ways to budget, but the way I like is spend 30% on housing, 30% needs, 20% wants, and 20% savings. So truthfully, you shouldn't spend more than 30% on housing, 30% on all your bills, groceries, and so forth, 20% on movies, eating out, whatever you want, and 20% savings. The thing is, though, we can actually simplify this. If you just take 20% off the top for savings every single month, and yes, as indicated, Put this in a separate account, you have your savings already done, then you could do whatever you want with the 80%. You could spend it on housing, you could spend it all on once, you could spend it on anything you want. For this individual that takes home about $3,600 a month, 
based on their normal job and overtime, that's $720 they would be saving each month. That leaves them with almost $3,000 to spend whatever they want each month. That's plenty uh, of enough money to live on your own in your own apartment, even in Washington state. I'm not saying necessarily in the heart of Seattle, uh, you know, in the, the biggest city, but in Washington state, somewhere you, you could absolutely afford to live and pay for bills and groceries on $3,000 a month extra post-tax. So the idea is that like in three months, this person has blown through their savings, but in three months, they save that $720. They have over $2,000 in three months. That's incredible. That's enough for a, huge, a small emergency. This person ever wants to get a car after that, heck in a whole year they're gonna save eight thousand dollars that's plenty for a down payment to either lease or buy a car so while this person feels like so out of control the thing is if they just sit down and break down the numbers into a budget they can absolutely afford to do the things they want to do i think people worry about budgeting feeling constricting but it's actually the opposite i mean you might be embarrassed when you're doing it like oh my god i can't believe i'm spending money on that that's a piece of humble pie. The, the, the truth is it's not constricting. It's empowering. Budgeting is empowering. I look at my budget at least once a week. I know I do personal finance. You don't necessarily have to do it as frequently as me. Sometimes it's every day. Lately, I've been checking my net worth every day because the stock market is just so volatile and I'm just like super into it. There's a major threshold my husband and I are going to cross and I'm like, waiting to see it go over that hump uh, as it approaches it goes back down though um, so the thing about that is though is that i feel empowered because i'm saving towards a goal and then the rest of the money i can do whatever i want like i just bought something on amazon 10 minutes before we we got on this call why because i knew i had that money to spend i'm not spending my savings i save first automatically out of my paycheck into a separate savings account or my retirement accounts and then I don't think about it. Whatever hits my bank account is what I have to spend. If it doesn't hit my bank account, I can't spend that money. And if it's a big purchase, I do save a more for it. And that's the point. So if this person saves 20% a month, they're saving $720 a month. They can have over $8,000 in a single year just by saving 20%. And $3,000 a month to spend as a single person, 21, with a roommate that is that like you don't even need three thousand dollars more than likely to spend especially if you're working overtime and working more you could even save more than 20 percent and get yourself back there so um one of the things though, that i mentioned about putting money away out of my check each month i do this through an online bank called uh, uh marcus it's goldman sachs online bank mm -hmm. i'll link my code yep i got you want to get some other people on it I'll link my code in the show notes and um, I do get a higher interest rate for three months if you use my code, so full disclosure, but so do you. It's paying over 2% um, as a savings rate right now, which is pretty incredible because if you go to some of the bigger banks, they're close to 0% or like 0.1%. So 2% is still better than nothing. I mean, you don't have to use Marcus. Ally Bank's another one that's really good uh, and you can do your own research. But I will provide my code for Marcus um, in the show notes if you do want to set up kind of an online savings account that is separate. For me, my checking account is not with uh, Marcus because I do want independent banks so I cannot easily move my money. I actually like a day or so drag in terms of transferring my money because it makes me think, do I need to move money out of my savings into my checking or not? Um, I like that it's not uh, kind of blurred lines. And so I do have a separate checking account. So yes, impulse buying, get it under control by budgeting. 
take 20% off the top automatically in a separate checking account. Boom. That's the advice this week. Yeah, I think that's a, a great call out. I mean, I so I'm a person who I deal with impulse spending it comes down to my ADHD. Like if I'm bored, or I'm understimulated or whatever it is, like, forget it. I'm I'm throwing stuff in a for me, it's target too much. And I'm like, did I need I spent $100? Like, so I absolutely I love the idea of take the money out of your savings, take it out of your paycheck if you can. Um, that's me as the HR person saying, like, talk to payroll. Uh, because if you don't even see the money, you don't miss it because mentally, you don't spend never, it. yeah, because mentally, like, you never saw it. So it's not like you're missing it. Our next question is coming from the subreddit r slash life pro tips. And this is a life pro tip request that someone put in. If you got fired because of the company's financial situation, how do you answer the question in an interview? Why don't you work at that company anymore? The stocks for the company I just got fired went down, so they started to fire some people. I'm preparing for an interview now, and I don't know how I could answer the question above except for saying that the stock went down. So this is actually a pretty straightforward situation. Um, and for, for this, I'm actually pulling on, you know, I've been in on the recruiting and HR side of things for 12 years. Uh, so this is the answer that like is totally acceptable. And in this case, it really is better to just be blunt um, and tactful, but you can be direct and say, yeah, so I don't work there anymore. Unfortunately, we were uh, financially impacted. And unfortunately, when that happens, layoffs happened and I was one of the people affected. Um, but in my next role, I'm looking for a company where I can. And then you would kind of talk about why you want to go to the next place. So let's say in your next company, you're looking for stability. You know, obviously, you didn't have a ton of that at your last place, which is why you were laid off. Um, so you could answer this question by saying, yeah, so unfortunately, I don't work at X company anymore because we were hit with some financial difficulties. And when that happened, layoffs happened. And unfortunately, I was affected. Um, that being said, I'm really looking for stability in the next company that I join. And that's why I think that working at Y Company is going to be a great move. That right there, it's a way to address and honestly address the question uh, without it kind of bringing down the mood too much or feeling... What about like if you're feeling a little inadequate or you worry if they're saying like, okay, there's cuts, right? Companies have cuts. That's mm -hmm. valid. Yeah, it happens. Like you were cut. So are you not as valuable as the other employees left? Because I think that might be what this poster is asking about. Like, hey, like, am I looking at like I'm the expendable one here? They might be feeling insecure about it. And listen, as a person who has been affected by layoffs in the past, I know how personal it can feel. Um, but unfortunately, also as the person who has been the HR rep dealing with layoffs, so kind of on the other side of the table, um, unfortunately, a lot of the time, it's just not that personal. A lot of the time, it really has no commentary or, or no feedback on how strong you are as an employee. It's just, unfortunately, people need to be cut. Sometimes, you know, companies will say, hey, we need to cut some highly compensated people. So it may just be that you were paid well because you're skilled and that's why you no longer have a job. It could be that they are firing people, you know, first in, first out. So you just happen to be the more junior person with tenure. Um, at the end of the day, you don't have to provide that much detail in the interview. But for yourself, I think this is something where 
we're all going to feel inadequate or feel a little bit of imposter syndrome at some point in our careers, at some point in our lives. Um, and in this case, I really think it's important to say to yourself, it really hurt to be laid off. It feels very personal. It feels like I did something wrong. And you can be really honest with yourself. And if there were things that you could learn from your last experience, absolutely do that. But in many cases, a layoff is just that. It's not performance-based. It's just a bottom, bottom line situation. You heard it here, folks. The HR manager says it's not a big deal. Actually, that, this makes me feel good if this happens to me because if you're saying, hey, like this happens. We see it all the time. Like It's really not a big deal. Because for me in finance, I would be like, oh, no, oh, no, no, and had that impact. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It's not, if you're saying it's not a big deal, I believe you. And I hope everybody else starts to believe you that you can transition it as you suggested and talk about what you're looking forward to in this next role mm -hmm. and actually land that role and then kick butt in it. Absolutely. And the other thing that I do want people to understand is, you know, it can feel like I said, it feels very personal. But if you look on the news or you scroll on LinkedIn for a little bit, you'll see that there are a lot of industries right now. I mean, most vocally, the tech industry, where effect, they're being affected by layoffs. It's something that's happening all over the place. So as much as you may feel like you're alone or you may feel like you're being singled out right now, unfortunately uh, for you, but fortunately, you're joining this fraternity of people who are going through the same experience. Um, my past experience, I worked in advertising and people would joke that if you haven't been laid off at least once, you haven't worked in advertising. So it really is a bit of a mentality piece on your end to make sure that you feel okay with the fact that unfortunately you were laid off. Um, and it's just a matter of being you know, upfront about that and then moving forward and moving through. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for spending the time with us, guys. Uh, we're really excited to hear back from you. Follow up with us with any questions that you have. Again, I want to say you can reach out through the voice notes through Spotify, if that's where you listen to us. Danielle, where can they reach us via email? You can reach us on notmadeofmoneypodcast at gmail.com. And you can reach out to us on social media, on our personal Instagrams. Genevieve's is just ask Genevieve. And mine is talkmoney underscore to me. So you could DM us questions. You can email us or do a voice note on Spotify to reach out to us with any questions you want us to feature on air or honestly, any just comments you have on the podcast, the new format. We are so excited to hear back from you. Well, that is it for this week. We're really looking forward to talking to you next week. And uh, in the meantime, bye, guys. Bye.